Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Athletics podcast. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. This is, of course, the post-game edition of the Cowboy Chronicles coming to you after Oklahoma State's 41-13 to defeat in Bedlam, a, uh, a, a painful one in a lot of different ways, uh, and we'll get, into, uh, we'll get into most of them, Jacob, as we, uh, as we go along, but uh, uh, we had, uh, you and I had different vantage points. It was a, uh, a, a, a cramped, uh, not cramped, but a, uh, a small press box that didn't allow for a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of seating, so only a couple of us from the Oklahoman got to be in the press box. Uh, what stood out to you from uh, from watching at uh, at home on TV about uh, about this game? Um, oh man, what didn't stand out? Um, <laughs> it just—I mean, the fast start jumps out at you, obviously that OU had. Um, OSU just looked a step slower most of the night. Yeah, I mean, on TV at least. Um, I don't know what it was, um, but especially early those, you know, the first nine minutes and they got down 21, nothing. Um, they just looked lifeless. Um, everything was going wrong. And, um, but it just, even throughout the game, there were times it just felt like the secondary was a step slow than usual, than usual. Um, and, and I really, I mean, when you start seeing the injuries pile up too, I don't know what you can expect necessarily. I don't think some of those guys are all hundred percent, but um, I think that's kind of what stood out to me is they just seemed, and I say step slow, like I don't know how much it was OU or how much it was OSU's problem. Right. Because I didn't, it just didn't seem normal from what we'd seen all year. Yeah, it really, it really didn't, especially you mentioned the fast start and we'll, uh, we'll kind of jump in right there uh, because that was something I did not see coming. I thought that, that Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley would have some things ready to go, uh, particularly coming off of the, uh, the week off. Having a little extra time to prepare and, and game plan, I thought they would have some things that Oklahoma State wasn't prepared for. But to just knife through them on back-to-back seventy-five-yard drives in six plays each uh, on the first their first two possessions was uh, was really kind of a shocking, kind of jarring thing mm-hmm. to see. Um, and it uh, and it you know then when you compound that with what was going on on the offensive side of the ball, which we'll talk about later. Um, it was just, uh, it was just, it was just too much for Oklahoma State. It, the, it felt like they were, uh, you know, pushing a boulder up a hill all night long. So, um, the fast start though, uh, was, uh, was really surprising to me that they were able to, uh, to, uh, to come out and break loose that quickly. I, if you had told me they went, had, uh, went and had two touchdown drives on the first two series, it might not have surprised me. But six plays each, uh, 75 yards uh, each, uh, just going right down the field was, uh, was really a shock. And I, I, uh, I would have expected maybe, maybe some grinding drives where they're getting uh, little bits here and there. But, uh, but they, were, uh, they were definitely ready with, with their offensive game plan, I thought. Yeah, it was big chunks and, and wide open receivers. And, and we hadn't seen – OSU's secondary looked that lost uh, all season against anybody, and it just seemed like every time Rattler went back to throw a pass, there was a guy wide open somewhere. And a lot of that was the misdirection in the play designs, I think, just the, the some stuff that Lincoln Riley drew up. But 
And then when you thought they would get so in the past, they would bring Ramondre Stevenson out there and just bowling ball through him. And it just was this perfect combination right off the bat that OSU wasn't prepared for. Um, and then you add in that interception. You can talk about the offensive struggles. But, I mean, you add in the interception to give OU the short field. Whether you want to say that was actually an interception or not, um, from the replays I could see on TV, I sh- thought it was an incomplete pass. Right. Um, but uh, apparently there wasn't enough to overturn it. But there was, but literally on the broadcast, there was an angle that there were like the first couple angles had the officials for ABC, the director of officials for ABC that, that was piping in say, well, that's, that's definitely an interception. And then they showed a different angle. He said, no, I, I changed my mind. That is an incomplete pass. And then they, then they can, then they didn't change the call. And so I didn't, I was really confused at that point. <laughs> I uh, not to take this uh, too far off a track, but uh, I love having the officials uh, who are helping out in the booth or, or with with the booth uh, to to give their perspective because I love to see how many times they disagree with what ends up being called on the field. Yeah. It cracks me up. It's uh, it's really entertaining to me for for weird reasons that I can't explain, but. Um, but that was uh, that was one the uh, 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 the uh, roughing the passer was the uh, the other one that uh, was not reviewed, but it was uh, a a call that the uh, oh on uh, Walterscheid on on yeah Cody Cody Walterscheid mm-hmm. um, that one that one was another one that the uh, the TV. Uh, folks had a uh, had a different take on what it happened yeah. in the refs. Yeah, because he didn't he didn't make a move really. He just kind of bumped him. It wasn't really? a, it wasn't. Yeah, that was an interesting call too. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to pick on officials. I don't. Want to do I got that. no problem picking on officials. I got no problem with it. Well, I, I don't want to pick on and make make uh, our listeners think that uh, that's what we're taking the angle on this game. Right. No, that's, uh, that's, that's particularly, that's a particularly good point where it's not, uh, it's not the case of, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, flags or no flags here or there. And this changes the, the tenor of this game at all. That's a good point. Uh, because that's, uh, that's not the case. So, um, going back to the defense, the, uh, the, the crossing routes, the pick routes, whatever you want to call them that Oklahoma was running, um, you know that's one of the hazards that you uh, you run into whenever you're playing as much man as as Oklahoma State does. And I asked Jim Knowles about that after the game, and uh, he said that that's something that's really hard to prepare for in practice, which makes sense because uh, you know you've got it, it's it's not like a pick in basketball where mm-hmm. a guy comes up and sets right in front of you and can't move. It's you know. Well, a guy is moving. A guy is uh, is is more physical than what a scout team player is going to be. Uh, you don't know when or where exactly the pick is coming, and uh, and it's uh, it is hard to simulate something like that. He he likened it to preparing for a, a triple option team because mm-hmm. because that's so hard to simulate in practice. The way that uh, that an option team is going to run the ball. So it's a uh, it's it was a tricky thing. But Oklahoma ran it to uh, ran it to perfection uh, mm-hmm. when they uh, when they went to to some of those pick plays. Or I'm trying to remember the word that that Jim Knowles used. Uh, crack, crack, crack routes is what he called them. Crack routes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but Oklahoma ran those uh, incredibly well. Uh, you know, in in college, you're allowed to uh, 
you're allowed to pick as long as you're not more than one yard downfield. And you saw that that's what uh, what a lot of theirs were. Some of them were maybe a little bit close to uh, to being a little too far downfield, but they were uh, they were they were close enough that uh, that they got that they got by. And the the routes that they were running to throw the guy to throw the ball to the guy were uh, were short routes and. Um, you know, getting guys like Mikey Henderson involved in uh, mm-hmm. in the passing game and and uh, things like that. So, um, some really interesting things that uh, that Oklahoma did that uh, you kind of felt like they uh, they knew what they wanted to attack. Yeah, I asked. Uh, I actually was on the OU post game. I asked Theo Weiss, one of the OU receivers, kind of about you know they heard about the secondary for two weeks and you know kind of what they thought about going into it and if they saw something they could exploit and he basically brought up in a real short answer we knew they played a lot of man and wide receivers love a lot of man coverage that's all he would say and uh you know and so they clearly looked at that and said this is what we're going to do and if we execute it they're not going to stop us and it worked and um you get thinking a lot you gotta you gotta give riley a lot of credit there um he's i mean he's labeled as an offensive genius for a lot of reasons and I think that's one Uh, he he pinpointed something and said this is how we attack Um, and it worked and I think OSU also being banged up a little bit plays into that a little bit but I don't know how much I think it's just great game planning on OU's part yeah and you know maybe there's uh, there's a a play here or there where uh, injury issues for for Oklahoma State in the secondary, uh, you know, with guys like Colby Harvell Peel or Trey Sterling, who have both been banged up lately, um, you know, maybe they're a, a step slow at times. Uh, but for the most part, the game plan I think was was more the issue and the execution uh, than uh, than the health of the Cowboys on defense. Mm-hmm. Now, moving over to the offensive side of the ball, health was a huge issue. Um, from from Spencer Sanders, obviously going out of the game for uh, more than two quarters, uh, to uh, to Tevin Jenkins suffering what the radio broadcast said was a back injury, which doesn't sound good for uh, for him. Obviously, uh, now he was he was up and walking around. But um, yeah, well, speaking of that, like ESPN showed him, it looked like he like they said he was crying over there. Looked like he was almost like his tear, like he might have had some tears. I don't know if he was crying or not, but they kind of showed him on the sideline, and so he was in a lot of pain. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that he was in a lot of pain. Um, watching him try to walk off the field at halftime, of course, all the uh, commotion is going on in the middle of the field, and mm-hmm. he's walking incredibly slow, uh, way behind all of that action. Um, you know, trying to get across the field over to the uh, uh, to the other tunnel. Uh, to get up into the locker room at halftime, you could tell there was a significant amount of pain going on for him. Uh, this is totally off topic, and I don't really want to get too deep into it. But why did why do stadiums have it where you have to cross each other? Uh, it drives me insane. Better to go to locker rooms. That's... It's 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 just it's it's so stupid. Yeah, and and not to pick on OU, but they just did that whole whole redo of their of that end of their. Mm-hmm. They could have put in, you know, could have redesigned the tunnels or done something to yeah. uh, to to change it up. You know, I mean, I remember when I was uh, when I was young. Uh, sometimes OU OU would switch sidelines, like they like not during the game, obviously, but like one game they'd be on the east side, one game they'd be on the west side. Oh. Uh, I never understood what the uh, 
what the why that was, but I always thought it was weird. That is weird. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't understand why places don't do something better about that, or why refs aren't more prepared for it when it happens. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's the biggest problem there too. Is usually because I've seen them at OU before hold up teams to let one go. Yeah, but they didn't. They were not prepared last night for a game that's full of emotion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. anyway, sorry, I, I, I went off on a tangent, but that was that jumped out to me last night too. Yeah, um, you know, there have been uh, a lot of people. I don't, I don't know if a lot is is a fair word, but there's uh, there there was a a group of of anti Spencer Sanders people who uh, uh, or pro Shane Ellingworth people maybe is a, a better uh, better way to to term them. Um, and they got to they got to see what what Illingworth could do, and I listen. I think I think Illingworth's going to be a good quarterback, but not he's not he's not where he's he's not a finished product right now. No, and he's got a lot of uh, a lot of work left to to do, and needs a lot more seasoning. And we saw that last night. Yeah, um, I think in the phrase that people like to use, the backup quarterback's always the most popular player on the team. Exactly. You know, I mean, I think that's kind of a little bit that. And I think people get frustrated when they see Spencer get banged up, you know, because he had, you know, he got thumb injury last year and he's had got the injury in the first game this season. And, and you know, he gets banged up last. And I think people get a little frustrated with that. Um, but Spencer's clearly the better option. Um, even when he came back in after missing three quarters of the game, um, his, he looked more in sync with everything more comfortable. Um, now, granted, I thought Shane looked comfortable that first drive when he came in and completed the touchdown right. drive for uh, with when Spencer got hurt. He came in and looked fine. But then after that, it just he, – he didn't look as comfortable and his throws weren't as accurate. And, um, that's, what, that's what surprised me a little bit was <laughs> some, of the, some of what looked like easy throws that, uh, that he missed. Um, there was there was a slant to Dylan Stoner on a third down play uh, that he threw the ball way behind him. Mm-hmm. It was the, uh, the the throw to Stoner in the end zone. Yeah, uh, that one stood out to me a lot because that would have changed the game. Oh, absolutely. And uh, um, the the low throw to uh, to Chuba Hubbard on a mm-hmm. crucial third down late there in the third quarter. Yeah, that really stood out to me. Um, I mean, guys are going to miss throws, and and young guys in particular are going to miss throws. But some of those, uh, you know, some of those really surprised me. To go five for twenty-one, especially after the way that he started, yeah, uh, was uh, was really uh, was really pretty shocking to me. Yeah, the other problem too is, and I think people people knew he couldn't. He's not really mobile, right? You compare him to Spencer. I mean, Spencer's so much more mobile, but I think that really. It wasn't exploited as much as I thought it could be against OU's defensive line, but it was right. pretty close. Um, and as as Ronnie Perkins said in post game, he was a standing target back there, and and that's never good when a defensive lineman knows that the quarterback is a standing target. Exactly, and um, like you said, I, I I think Oklahoma State did a pretty good job of protecting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, especially considering that that Tevin was out. And uh, and Sills was overplaying right right tackle. Um, you know, Jake Springfield had some t- trouble at times with uh, guys coming off the left edge or at left tackle, but uh, but held up pretty well for uh, for the most part. Um, 
it was just uh, it was it was one of those nights where felt like everything that could go wrong was mm-hmm. was going to go wrong for the Cowboys. Yeah, and you know, and the offensive line happened to shuffle around again, and and kudos to Josh Sills this season. My goodness, that guy's no played what, every position but center at this point. I think I uh, think so, just about. And uh, you know, he's he's been adequate for the most part. He's struggled at times, but uh, I'm not going to blame him for any of that. He's playing out of position when he's struggling. Um, but then you start, you know, you lose Spencer, um, who was looking pretty solid other than the interception that really was kind of a fluke deal getting tipped up like it was. And um, Chuba's not 100%. LD's not 100%. Um, you don't know. I mean, Tylen looked fine, but you don't know how healthy Tylen really is. Right. And it just all adds up to this recipe of disaster, especially offensively. Because um, there were times that you thought, is Chuba even going to come back in the game? Right. You know, and then he got fired up at halftime. He was the one doing a lot of the jawing at halftime, which I thought was really interesting because I don't know if I've ever seen Chuba really do any of that before. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back out and he, he looks really good and then gets banged up again and is in and out. It's just there's no way to get any kind of rhythm if you're OSU's offense right now when these guys can't stay on the field. And I'm not blaming them. I mean, I know they're hurt, but it's just – it's really hard to get any kind of rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think we're starting to see that Chuba might have had some, some health issues going back a lot farther than we realize. Yes. I think this might be uh, more significant than just a, uh, uh, the last couple of games. I, I'm I'm starting to wonder if he got banged up in preseason. Yeah, because they weren't really light on him in preseason. Remember, Gundy was talking yeah. about he didn't really do much in preseason, right? To until towards the beginning of the season, yeah. that makes me wonder if he got banged up at some point there, and they were trying to get him healthy, and then they, they said they ramp it up for the season, and he just never been 100. percent Yeah, yeah, it's it's entirely possible, you know. And then he had the had the fumbles against West Virginia, and they're like, well, we need to get him more contact, and. Um, you know, he had a good game against Kansas, and uh, everyone has a good game against Kansas. Is what yeah. I'm gonna say at this point, though. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it's been. Um, I it really feels like there's something pretty significant going on, whatever uh, whatever the uh, the situation is, and he's trying to play through it. Uh, and and I mean, and he was effective. He had the long, the one long run. We only had eight carries last night, and uh, you just. The thing- the thing I noticed about his long run, and I noticed this on TV, I don't know if you noticed at the stadium, he didn't have that pull-away speed he had last year. Yeah. Because that's a run that he would have broke last year. There yeah. wasn't one that was going to catch him, and he couldn't do it, and he had to get to the sideline. Mm-hmm. And it just, But it just felt like I, I thought as he, as he got there, he got a step, I thought, okay, he's going to pull away. He never was able to turn on that extra, that extra gear that he did last year. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't able, either, either running back – uh, neither one of them was able to get to the edge. Really, he he did on that one, and and had the long run. But neither one of them was able to get outside, and uh, mm-hmm. and it felt like they were trying to get there quite a bit early in the game. It just wasn't working. They weren't able to outrun those guys. So um, that was uh, that was uh, that was interesting because uh, um, you know you knew that there were some health issues, but it looked like that was something that they were definitely trying to do offensively was try to, to get to the edge uh, with the run game and get outside and just wasn't, it just wasn't working. So um, 
Now, I I didn't see the replay of Alex Hale getting injured until uh, until much later in 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 the game than the yeah. TV broadcast, but uh, that did not look uh, did not look good. Whatever uh, yeah. whatever happened to him? No, but I mean, I, just kind of goes to show you where OSU's run of luck is right now with, with yeah. Hale. I mean, you know, and it, it's interesting that they're 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 reporting zero coronavirus cases but then they have all these other injuries it's like you thought if the health issues were really going to be more the pandemic related more than right actually physical injuries and then you get a free thing like that and you lose your kicker and it didn't it didn't really impact the game right, uh, right. when right. i saw that i thought because i'd seen reports from you and stuff that all these linemen were coming back and stuff that they were warming up and i thought okay this is gonna be really interesting and then alex hale wasn't playing and i was like mm-hmm. oh no yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, and he was a guy like he was one of the first guys that I saw out there on the field warming up before the game. So uh, completely, completely missed uh, what exactly happened there. But, um, you know, seeing the replay there, that looked really uncomfortable, whatever it was. A non-contact injury uh, for a kicker is a uh, is a is a bad deal. So Especially on your non-plant, on your non-kicking foot, on your on your plant leg like that. Like right. that's, that's rough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, so up next is Senior Day, Texas Tech, 11 a.m. kickoff uh, next Saturday at, uh, at Boone Pickens Stadium. Cowboys got to win out if they want to have any shot at getting in the Big 12 title game, but uh, even that is incredibly slim at this point. Uh, not something that you're uh, going to expect to happen, so... Um, going to need a going to need a lot of help for uh, for that. I know you uh, you went in depth into I, all the different scenarios. I still missed a couple. Barry came back today with a couple more. Right to get in, and then I just they went way deeper into the weeds than I. I guess <laughs> I, my brain didn't care to go that far. I don't right know. right. There's a six way tie that gets OSU in that I never even <laughs> considered a thing a, a possibility. So right. Um, that's how crazy scenarios get for OSU um, outside of winning out and getting another uh, OU loss. Right. So right. Yeah. that's what they really, actually really, they need a, need a Texas loss more than anything, I think. So, yeah. um, so it's, you know, but yeah, I got it. That's crazy. They're, they're not out of it, but, te- but they, they have a good schedule lined up the rest of the way um, with what tech uh, TCU and Baylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a good schedule to finish with if you're OSU at this point. Um, but it was, you know, I, it, it's a long shot for the Big 12 title game, but this is 2020, so do we really count them out yet at the Big 12 title game? Right, right, exactly. Speaking of senior day, I had a question for you. Do you think they're going to honor Chuba on Saturday? It's a very good question. It's a, a very good question. Uh, obviously, his his family uh i would assume would not be able to make that trip because going yeah. home they would have to quarantine for two Dude, weeks and aiming both because i don't know if right. aiming's coming back and so, right yeah that's exactly right so you uh you never know what they uh what they might do yeah. with uh with those scenarios on saturday that'll be uh it'll be interesting to see who is uh who is involved and who who makes their intentions known at uh, at this time? So I think Chuba's pretty clear he's not coming back. So. Yeah, I think so, and I and I think that I think that at this point he needs to go. His, uh, he's, his season's going the way we feared it would when he said he would come back. Right, right, exactly. This is the kind of worst case scenario for him. Yeah, but um, 
but coming back again doesn't help anything. No, it's it's not. Uh, even though his his stock has probably dropped some, I think if he gets himself healthy in time for the combine, mm-hmm. goes and and shows his speed and and agility there, I think he'll be fine. But um, no, coming back again is not uh, not the answer for uh, for for Chuba. So, but it will be interesting to see which guys. Uh, choose to uh, go ahead and announce their intentions now because obviously everybody could come back if they wanted to uh, yeah. this year. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what all happens for Senior Day. All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up with the most important thing I forgot. What I uh, what I leave out? Um. Oh man. Covered. Um, uh, got was that we're nearly near the end of the finish line of the season, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the pandemic has raged on and we're still going. Right, yeah. Maybe that's the most important thing. That really is. That's, uh, that's Looking for a silver lining here for OSU fans. It's pretty shocking at this point to me. Um, the one thing I don't want to see from this team is, uh, uh, you, know, you want to see the same attitude from mm. them after, after this. Uh, yeah. going down the stretch. I, I can remember, uh, you know, uh, two years ago in 2018 when they went down to TCU uh, the last week of the regular season and just, and just looked miserable. Um, you don't want to see a team that, uh, that goes that direction. 12 and a half point favorites against, uh, uh, depending on where you look, between 12 and 13 point favorites for the Texas Tech game. So That's about right to me. I mean, Tech just isn't very good. Yeah. No, they're not. I mean – when you when you wrote in tomorrow's paper that their best player is an offensive lineman, I thought that's about where Tech is right now. Yeah. So. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap this thing up. We'll get uh, get heading on down the line for uh, a Thanksgiving week and a, and a uh, Thanksgiving doubleheader, a Thanksgiving weekend doubleheader from yeah basketball, football and men's basketball on uh, okay, on de- home debut Saturday. So. That's right. Fans are so frustrated with football, they can at least uh, turn to basketball Saturday. That's Wednesday, right. Saturday. Wednesday's a road game, Saturday's a home game. There you go. All right, with that, thanks uh, to everybody for listening. This has been the Cowboy Chronicles Podcast.